good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. You know, in the old school, I grew up in the church of my upbringing. They would say after a song like that, let the church say amen. <laughs> that would be a refrain often in many of our spiritual traditions. And I remember sometimes asking when they would ask to say that over and over again, you know, what did it really mean? What does amen mean? I was talking to my son uh, a few last week. He decided that he wanted to go see a play. It was played here local in, in uh, Sacramento. And, uh, you know, he does a lot of different things. Sometimes we're talking about, you know, all the geopolitical things happening in the world and what our solutions are. Or he may go into his uh, little room and start, you know, writing songs and uh, creating hip-hop songs and rap songs. And, and then he said, I'm going to go out and see a play. And I said, what are you going to go see? And I'm going to go see Macbeth. He had a wide range of interests in his life. He said he was the original hip-hop artist anyway because he was good with the words. But I remember that, that play Macbeth, you know, from reading it in high school. And there's a line in there that Shakespeare has Macbeth say. And it says... I had most need of a blessing, and amen got stuck in my throat. And we, I remember talking about what did that really mean, and it probably was a metaphor for Macbeth's inability to, to open up himself to receive the blessing from the presence of God because of his guilt, because he had uh, killed the king, Duncan, in the, in the plague. And therefore, he didn't feel himself to be a holy person anymore, that he didn't feel himself to be worthy of a blessing. So he said that, you know, the amen was stuck in his throat. That word amen is a very powerful word in our language. Yet, it may have lost some of its, its power because if it's ritualistic use, we kind of say it in, in a routine way, and maybe it's been diluted. As a result, when we put sometimes amen at the end of a prayer, those prayers may produce meager results. In the original language in the Bible, amen simply meant verily. It meant it is established. It meant this is the truth. It meant it is so. And in the first chapter of Genesis, when we talk about the creation story, which is a symbolism for all of our creative endeavors, when it says, and it was so, and God said it was so, it was so originally meant, amen. 
And in the ancient land of Kemet, currently known as Egypt, Amen meant master, it meant ruler. And the Egyptians realized that the power of Amen, and, and they realized that you can incorporate into the name of the great leaders, and they did so in leaders such as Pharaoh Amenhotep. They knew that whatever we unite our amen with, we declare to be the final truth. You may be familiar, maybe when you grew up, you may have been taught this prayer, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then we end with amen. I never liked that prayer. I wasn't ready for anybody to start taking my soul. It sounded pretty painful to me. And I wasn't ready to die. I was too young to die back then. But I probably sensed I was saying amen to something that didn't sit well with me. The idea that amen is so much more than the ending of a prayer. It is a powerful and meaningful energy. And that's why I believe we should never formulate a prayer with amen at the end that we are not willing to be a fixed truth for us. And when we say amen, it's not supposed to be thinking about the problem. When we put it at the end of the prayer, it shouldn't be on the end of the prayer. I remember, you know, years ago when I was, you know, coming up in, in New Thought and I was going through a, a a prayer support person, kind of like equivalent to a chaplain, and I was going through some challenges, and I was asking for prayer, and, and uh, they just started praying, and I said, well, don't you want to hear what, I'm, what my problems are? I got a litany. I got a list. It's in my pocket. I need to read them off first. And they were not concerned at all about my problems because they were telling me that, you know, what we need more than anything else is not thinking about the problem. We just need to make a connection with the consciousness of the Spirit of God because God doesn't really know about problems because in the consciousness of God, all of our problems begin to dissolve no matter what they may be. That is the answer to everything. That's God does not give us the answer. God is the answer. That's why I love that song by Ricky Byers that says, I used to think that I needed somebody, but all I needed was my connection to the presence and the power and the love of God. And I believe when we see the true meaning of amen, we recognize what a downside it is to start praying like this. When we start praying and saying, oh my God, I'm ill, I'm troubled, I'm a mess, my life is terrible, help me God, amen. Which is sometimes a typical way that, you know, sometimes folks pray. But when we pray like that, we're saying amen to that which we really do not want. We're giving it that more power. We're saying yes to the sickness. We're saying yes to the trouble. We're saying yes to the mess. We're saying yes to the terribleness. We're saying yes to all of this. And this is the truth as far as I'm concerned, and I'm accepting it. But we never should formulate or voice a prayer that we are not willing to declare to be a fixed truth. And definitely we do not want to add amen to such a prayer because we give the circumstances far more power. We give the circumstances far more strength in our life. Or as the citizens of Kemet or what we call Egypt would say, whatever we unite our amen to, it begins to rule us. Put another way. Anytime we accept something as true, 
we're saying amen to it. I often like to read uh, biographies and get inspiration. And I was remember reading a biography about Albert Einstein, and, and it kind of rekindled my thought about him because there's a movie coming out uh, that had been promoting uh, Oppenheimer about the time that they uh, were creating the first nuclear weapon on the Manhattan Project. But that, you know, that's an aside. But uh, as, an, as an aside, you know, Einstein had great regret of signing a letter and sending it to the, the President Roosevelt at the time, recommending that they go through with this project because he said, if I knew that Germany would no way develop a nuclear bomb, I would not have urged us to do that. So he had a lot of regret about that doing, happening. But anyway, it brought to my attention you know, something else that was brought about in his biography. And he was being reviled for a lot of his beliefs and views that he held around some of his theories and you know, even the laws of rel law rel relativity. And he was being vilified, as some scientists are being vilified today. But as he was being vilified by these people from the outside, his response was this. He said, those arrows of hate have been shot at me many times, but they never touched me because they came from a dimension in which I did not inhabit. He was saying, I don't live there. So it could not touch me. I did not accept it. In other words, I believe he's saying, I did not say amen to that, so I did not claim it. It's a fundamental truth that we will never experience or we don't ever experience anything in life unless we have accepted it on some form or another, accepted it in our minds, accepted it in our hearts. Because the great amen implies using the law of acceptance, using the law of consenting to something. So we want to ask ourselves throughout the, throughout the day, what am I saying amen to? Even if it's not consciously or literally, what am I saying amen to? When we hear a medical diagnosis that sometimes comes up in our life that may appear to be dark and hopeless to us, do we accept it with resignation? When someone says, oh, you're too old, dear, to do that, do you just give in to the idea? When we're faced with a challenging financial situation, do we succumb to the idea of, the, of not enoughness in the world? If so, we're saying amen to those things. We're giving them strength. We're giving them power over us and our destiny. The idea here is not going into prayer, filling our consciousness with the problem or the challenge. We know that every thought that we have is a form of a prayer, particularly when we put energy behind it. Thank God not every thought comes into our realization. That would not be good. I know mine wouldn't. I can't speak for you. But yes, we acknowledge sometimes in life the facts are never to our liking. We have stuff that comes up. That's part of life. But we want to turn our attention to the truth. We want to turn our attention to that of the great amen and say yes to the things that are eternal. We want to say yes to the things that are real, the things that cannot be destroyed, that are beautiful, that are just. So sometimes we just have to affirm to ourselves, oh, I'm a magnificent child of God. Amen. All I need is within me. Spiritual abundance is my birthright. Amen. I am an original blessing. Amen. All is well with my soul. Amen. 
We want to say those things and put amen at the end of that because we're saying it is so. Understand, when we use amen in this week, we are ending our prayer with a positive explanation point by affirming the truth of our being and the truth about the qualities of the Spirit of God that are changeless, which is really the only thing that is ever going on, is that goodness. All the rest is an illusion. That's why I love that song that some, a friend of mine came up years ago. Oh, I can't remember it right now. <laughs> I don't know if you ever have those moments where, you know, it's like right on the tip of your tongue. And it, but it goes like this. Only God is real. All the rest is just illusion. Only God, only God is real. So we get into that muck and mire. We need to go to the truth. The psalmist writes, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. In other words, when he, he's saying that when God and the qualities of God become the first, become the middle and the last thought, we shall not want anything, and goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Meaning that God is the all good. It's everywhere present, in its fullness completely. There's no room for anything else. And when we connect with that, oh, our vibration is lifted. Goodness begins to follow us all the days of our life. And mercy, and mercy is the quality of the spirit that kind of requalifies, reinterprets past experiences, past perceptions, and does make all things new. Because as someone said the other day, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. How are we showing up in any given moment? How are we perceiving what the seeming facts are outside of us? Because all work that we do spiritually is about something within us being transformed. And I thought about this when I went to Ghana many years ago. And part of the trip of going on to Ghana is that you go to what they call the slave castles. And part of the going to the slave castles is walking through the building, uh, the, and, and you come up to what they call the door of no return. And when you walk to the door of no return, once you got off the door of no return, you went up to another ship and, and a boat, and then you ended up going away and never was coming back. And I could feel when our group was there, everyone's feeling a, 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 an energy, a, a, you know, all kinds of emotions, you know, whether it was sadness or anger or despair, desperation, but you could feel it. It's almost like you hear the screams of people being moved away from each other, never to see each other again. And it was a horrifying experience, you know, just to feel that. And then there was dead silence. And then we went to the, what they call the chief of the village, kind of like a guru figure. And he gave us a perspective that kind of caused me to see it from a different perspective that made the whole experience new in my own mind. And what he did, he explained that time does not exist, not on a spiritual level. And all of life happens simultaneously. That It means that the future life can influence a past life as well as the other way around. Because there's that constant interaction between our lives. All life influences other beings, whether future or past. Consequently, he said that if we do something beneficial in this life, all people are affected. So the elders said to all of us that if you live your life to the highest possible energy, 
you will not only set in motion positive energy for the future generations, you will renew and replenish past lives. You will send positive energy from the present. And your ancestors are freed up as well. And he says, say amen to that. Because he was speaking words of truth. So we want to constantly ask, what am I saying amen to? What am I accepting? We want to say amen to the all good of God that is here and now and always. And when we do, our vibration is indeed lifted. And we understand the statement that was made by the master teacher, Jesus the Christ, that we are the light of the world. The light that light up every man and woman that cometh into the world, as he said. He didn't just say, I am the light and I'm the only one. He didn't say, give me a light. I would say Bud Light or otherwise, but there's so much controversy around that right now, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> We're here to up-level our wattage so that we can reveal more of who and what we really are. Usually there's an impediment. Usually there's a difficulty in seeing and shining that light. That difficulty, of course, is the static on the line. And that causes that amen to get stuck in our throat, that blessing from being expressed. You know, our universe is calling and is saying, God is trying to tell you something. There's a blessing here for you and all of us. But often, we're not hearing it. Sometimes the communication is cut off because there is static on the line. When the problems are compounded in that static, because Oftentimes, we make decisions from that consciousness rather than the consciousness of wholeness, that consciousness where there's truth and where we really want to attach our amen to. So what is the prevailing static that we often encounter? It sounds something like this. Oh, you're not enough. Oh, you'll never be enough. Oh, there's lack and limitation. Oh, there's not enough to go around. I remember when I decided to step, you know, when we decide to step into our vision, sometimes we'll hear things like, oh, you can't do that. We'll hear things that say, who do you think you are? When someone says to you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? God's gift to the world? Well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. That's what we want to say. We're all God's gift to this magnificent world. You know, I remember time I was, uh, you know, uh, in high school and, and I was, went to uh, you know, this, this summer program in, uh, in Georgetown University and, and there were some other, you know, members of this debate team that were there and I was saying I was going to go to this very selective school and that guy said, oh, you'll never get in. And, I, and of course, he was wrong. I got in. He did not. Because I was not listening to the static that was coming from him to determine what my life was going to be. We don't want to make decisions from the static that comes to us. We don't want to make things decisions from that kind of consciousness that has nothing to do with the presence of God and the possibilities and the creative gifts that are there for us. I think it's there for us in our world, depending upon what we're saying amen to. I have a friend who's from Costa Rica and has, you know, of course, if those know for Costa Rica, has no standing army. And I said, it's kind of interesting that there's oftentimes so much fear and so much static, so much mental pollution in our collective consciousness that we spend a 
amazing amount of time and money on developing war implements that will destroy the earth many times over, while only a fraction of what we could spend that we could feed people, clothe people, house people, and every child on the planet. I often thought that if an alien came from another dimension and saw what was going on, it would ask, what you doing? Why y'all do that? Why are you placing your amen on that? Of course, we collectively have to take responsibility. It's not the political leaders. They don't necessarily know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's up to us. Because, you know, there's that static that's on the line. And how often we walk through our life individually, maybe being afraid of some outcome. Walk through our life being worried about something, being afraid to live life to the fullest, being afraid to not fulfill that promise that I came, that I, you may have life and have it more abundantly in all areas. Sometimes we're limiting the universe. We're putting an amen on the limitation. And so we will move to the consciousness of no longer hoarding or keeping things in. To the degree we do that, we're simply relenting and consenting to the static. And then we outpicture a world that shows up as division, shows up of people pitting one against the other. Conflicts show up. There's a belief that there's not enough to go around. Rather, we want to put our amen on something else. We want to live in that loving, abundant universe because there is no limit to ideas. I always say that abundance really comes down to getting the right and perfect idea. You get the right idea, you can figure out anything. And there's a limitless number of those things. And we want to say amen to those unlimited something that is the presence of God. Anyway, I think the universe is calling us. It's reminding us that there is a divine pattern for our life. There's a divine pattern for the life of the planet. And we don't have to make it happen. It is already complete in the mind of God. The idea is already there. We just have to create the conditions that makes it welcome in our life. And we make it welcome by saying yes to the all good. We say, make it welcome by saying yes, yes to love itself by saying yes to the prosperity itself, saying yes to the limitlessness itself. And by directing our attention to that belief, then something begins to happen because we're saying amen to all of the good, which is heaven. That's why Jesus said in the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of those books that didn't make it in the official Bible, that heaven is spread all over the earth and people see it not. We want to say amen to that. We want to be careful what we attach our amen to so that we not only say amen to the good things, but those things that are true. We want to see those things that manifest in our life, in our world. We want to say amen to that. And as we do, I want to tell you, stuff happens and it's good because that's the nature of God. So may everyone here be blessed with that all good. Amen. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. 
You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center